Hey everybody, Adam Stott here. Thanks for checking out my podcast, Business Grow Secrets. You're absolutely in the right place. This podcast is going to reveal to you all of the secrets that you've been looking to discover that are going to allow you to cure your cash flow problems, attain more clients, bring in more leads for your business, and create systems and processes that give you the growth that you want. You are going to discover the business growth secrets you have been looking for that I've used to sell over £50 million worth of products and services on social media and help clients everywhere to grow their businesses on the mark. So let's get started on the Business Growth Secrets podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to tonight's Big Business Live uh, for my big, big business event, Business Growth Secrets podcast. Tonight, we've got a really, really special guest that I'm looking forward to welcoming on. He's, he's built an amazing business. I had a really brilliant chat just beforehand. In just a couple of moments, I'm going to be bringing him on. So the guest that I brought bringing on tonight is Rory Fairburns from One Year No Beer. I think what's really interesting about his story, I'm going to let him tell that bit, but he's built a business that's got over 80,000 members. And the bit that I find really, really interesting is he's gone into 90 countries. So really started a movement, something that has hit a nerve with people, something that's inspired people. And I think tonight, this is going to be a massive, massive thing for a lot of people, especially that is very, very topical during what we're going through right now in terms of lockdown. And, you know, for me, I've been on Instagram hitting up about how you should be creating daily success habits. And one of the success habits that you want to avoid is something that we're going to talk about tonight, which is certainly maybe an over-reliance on alcohol, which is where the start of uh, Rory's company was built. So I'm going to bring him on in a moment. As always, when I do these interviews, for me, the purpose is I want to bring super successful people to the audience they're watching, which is you tonight, so you can learn, so you can grow, so you can ask questions. You've got an opportunity tonight where you can ask questions, you can pick the brain of somebody that's gone out and built great business in 90 countries. Please give a big welcome tonight. Make sure you come on and say hello uh, to Ori, who I'm going to bring into the stream now. So how are we doing, buddy? We good? Excellent. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us live. Awesome. So uh, really interested to have a chat tonight. And I think that something that your business has done really, really well is you've found something that has inspired people. And, you know, that inspiration's come, I think, from your journey. So we want to hear a little bit about that tonight. I think that the fact that you've expanded it so quickly, you've gone to so many countries is really admirable. And I really want to hear about that story as well. So big welcome to you. And why don't you kick us off and tell us a little bit about where the idea came from for your business? And maybe you can tell us a bit about your story and how that works, and, and we'll, we'll take it from there, my man. Awesome. Thank you for giving me the space. So first thing, I just want to apologize to everybody because I just spent the last hour. This is the, the brand new podcast setup. So I've got curtains and sound deadening and like brand new microphone arrived today, all of that stuff. And about a minute before we went live, the Wi-Fi went down. So I'm now streaming off my phone. So I apologize if we, <laughs> if we're thing, but I'm, I'm sorry. Hopefully it'll be okay. But um, that is the world of uh, working from home these days, isn't it? So just to wind back a bit about my story and give a little bit of understanding. So 
you know, you said very, very special guest. And, you know, there's something about that, the wording in there is that when I was younger, when I was six, I was ADHD. I mean, you know, as a child, I was super hyperactive. My parents were given an ultimatum for me, drugs or counseling. And I'm really lucky that they chose counseling because it started this process of me trying to understand what was going on in my hyperactive brain. And it created this sort of divide because my parents said I was special and gifted and the outside world said I was bad and naughty. And those two things drive different behaviors, behaviors through my life. And you can see them as a stream. And it was also very confusing. I didn't really know where I sat. But after a, thankfully, unsuccessful suicide attempt, um, my parents encouraged me to write a letter to Richard Branson. Again, flipping from these two spaces of, I actually want to leave this planet to actually, I'm going to stay here and have a really big impact. And so I wrote a letter to Richard Branson and I said, I'm going to have a massive impact on the world and I'm looking forward to having lunch with you. At 15, I set up my first business and left school before the legal age to, to run that business for two years. That failed. I set up five different enterprises two proper businesses and three projects, really, um, never really got off the ground, all failures. I call myself a serial failpreneur. And so now whenever people ask me business advice, I'm like, I can't tell you what to, to do because I'm still working that out, but I can tell you a lot of things of what not to do. Um, and, um, it was actually through the TV program, The Apprentice, which kind of sad after my fifth final, you know, failure, I, somebody encouraged me after, you know, a few pints in the pub to said, go, you know, I know where all these failed entrepreneurs go. They go to this TV program, The Apprentice. You should go there too. Not quite how it went, but you know what I mean? And so I applied for The Apprentice, got accepted, went down for the beginning of the filming, sat outside the studio. Eventually they said, look, you're not going on the show this time. We can't explain. We'll fly you back to Scotland. And I was like, sod that. I'm going to Ibiza. And I bumped into an oil broker in Ibiza. And that's where I became an oil broker. And that's where I spent the next 13 years of my life. And when you look at what happened there, and you know, I started on crude oil, made a name for myself very quickly, and then I set up the jet aviation desk, is that in essence, all of the operations of the business had been taken away. And yet I was dropped in as an entrepreneur to build a business. So I, I made the jet desk, the number one jet desk in the world within three years in a market which was already saturated that they said I wouldn't break into. And that made me reflect on something about my previous businesses. I was like, do you know what? I realized something. I am 95% absolutely useless and 5% genius. And if I'm in my 95%, I'm just going to break stuff. But if I'm at 5%, then things will move forward. Um, so when you know I, I was working as an oil broker, and I kind of stumbled into this. I was meditating on the train, using headspace in the early years. And I thought, you know, I think alcohol is causing you more trouble than I realize. And I was never a problem drinker. I wasn't carrying on going home and drinking. I wasn't doing any of those things. But alcohol was prevalent, right? I might be entertaining clients once, twice, no times a week, whatever it was. And then I might be celebrating with friends at the weekend. Some people would have called me a lightweight, but yet still in the back of my mind, I thought, I think alcohol is causing me more trouble than I realize. So I decided to take a break from booze, approached my boss, and he said, you are committing commercial suicide if you stop drinking. So that was huge peer pressure. In the uh, then, 100%, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It took me another six months to pluck up the courage, and then I took a break from booze, and boom, that was it. I mean... Suddenly, I was fitter, faster, healthier, happier, better dad, better husband. I mean, my business grew, niggling health issues disappeared. We will go into the details of just how impactful a break from alcohol can be and is on many people's lives. But I was like, hang on a minute. 
this is totally the opposite of what I thought taking a break from alcohol was. Like I thought not drinking would be social hermit, nobody's going to like you, you're going to have no friends, and you're going to be bored for the rest of your life. And yet what it really was, was ev just everything was better. Business was better, productivity was better. So that's when I said I got together with Andy and we realized, you know, how are we going to help other people realize this? I know, let's create a challenge. Let's just make it a challenge. No stigma, no labels, no judgment. It's just a challenge. And that's where we come up with the idea of One Year No Beer, which we launched back in 2016. That's the Whistle Stop Tour. <laughs> awesome. Okay, and some great lessons in there. So many different lessons. Actually, really, really interested. And, and I think even going all the way back, when you talk about ADHD, I think it's something that you see in a lot of entrepreneurs. Um, a lot of entrepreneurs have that hyperactivity. I think that I've certainly been told that I've got ADHD in the past. Some of my yeah. top clients have been told the same as well. And it's because you've got that constant thinking. And, and that is right. You, you know, you're going to be the people around you are either going to give you positive thought or positive reinforcement or negative reinforcement. If you can get into the positive reinforcement and you're lucky enough to have that, then it's great. But some people aren't. And I think that, you know, certainly it's inspiring to hear that message from someone that's gone on to, you know, create a great business business like yourself and so one year no beer mm. you know certainly is a bit of a commitment for people to go a year without drinking you know i think one month no beer is a bit easier but you went for one year no beer so you started the business off uh tell us a little bit about you know why don't we talk about marketing the business because you know this is something that a lot of entrepreneurs have ideas a lot of people can come up with an idea um you've driven this idea home you took it to 90 countries you've got 80,000 people that took the challenge so tell us a little bit about how you went around marketing the business and why don't we start early stages you've got market the business at the beginning you got the idea what did you do first to get it off the ground Okay, so first of all, I would never do what I did in starting a business. So did it all completely and utterly wrong. No plan, rush in, give it a shot, etc. So when we were looking at this thing, we created a book, we created a 90-day challenge. We wanted to break through peer pressure because we, we, what we had established was that that was the main thing that kept people drinking was the peer pressure around alcohol. And what you what you drinking like you know oh, i'm not actually drinking alcohol what's wrong with you you know so that was we were trying to do something to counteract that so one year no beer i'm doing the one year no beer challenge was a big enough sort of smack in the face to leave you alone right but it was a 90 day challenge in the beginning and when we first launched it we gave it all away for free so again i was sort of channeling this i want to have a massive impact in the world and i believed we could do that by giving it away for free and the reality is I put, you know, nearly quarter of a million pounds of my own money into the business in the first year, trying to get it to go and all sorts of marketing things and trying social media stuff and not having a clue is the reality of what we did. So I would never do what we did backwards. But but when you look at the what what happened because of that, because first of all, when we gave it away for free, we were doing a disservice to people because later when we started charging for it, people watched more videos, had more skin in the game, engaged more, had better outcomes. Like it wasn't helping anyone. They weren't yeah. really paying attention to it. But in saying that, it did spread all over the world because we were giving it for free. You know, we had front page of Yahoo in about 10 different countries. And, you oh. know, within month one, month two, month three, there was people popping up in India going, I love your program. This is amazing. Or Argentina, how do we bring this to Argentina? It was like, wow, this is amazing. Like, you know, we thought we were just creating this for the brokers in the city of London. And here it was, people resonating with it all over the world. 
So, yeah, I think... Uh, I mean, you say, you know, you wouldn't do it the way you did it again, but perhaps. But a lot of people underestimate the power of actually giving something away for free in the beginning to get your brand known and actually build relationships yeah. with people. But I love your comment where people haven't got skin in the game. And I, and I think this is absolutely 100% correct. People only give the effort and the attention to the things that they invest in. If you don't invest in something, and I find that with a lot of entrepreneurs, and as much as we're going to give tons of value tonight and we're going to give lots of information um, to people, because it's a, a live stream, a free live stream, and sometimes even a free podcast, they're not necessarily going to act on it. And I think that that is exactly what you put your finger on there. Now, when it comes to how you would do it again, I think if we ask that question, you know, it'd be interesting to see what would you do differently? Yeah. Do you, or would you, so the things that I would do similarly is focus and double down 100% on community. So now, I mean, back then, it was less about community. So this is five, six years ago. We weren't community obsessed, but now every brand is talking about community. And so the thing about community is, or, or the things I know that create a very powerful community is strong And that is how we have we cultivated a very unique, passionate, highly engaged community. We've had people come in and look at our community and be like, we've just never seen engagement like it. Like, this is unreal. How have you created this? So, but it took a lot. It took till three o'clock in the morning answering people. I mean, I was, I was still a senior shareholder running a team of guys earning high six figures a year as an oil broker, one of the top oil brokers. And yet here I was with my laptop open at my desk, literally answering people's problems and things about alcohol and trying to support people. And, you know, throughout 2017, that was like one of the hardest years of my life, because here I was still doing everything, trying to bang the, the door and, 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 and everything else. So anyway, focus on community, um, creating these true fans, you know, there's that whole piece around a 1000 true fans. Yeah, 100%. There's about building community now is that the platforms out there are there for you to build community really for free like a facebook group is for free you can start opening up and creating content and putting it in there you know there's yeah. cheap ways to build podcasts you know get that community aspect oh, going sorry. and you know in that first that's all right i was just gonna say it's funny because when we had a conversation earlier i explained to you, you know um depending on where people watching tonight tell us in the comments you're watching on youtube you watch on facebook where are you watching you watch on the facebook group the big business events page and i actually said to you you know even though my facebook following has got four hundred thousand people on it we get more engagement in my fifteen thousand facebook group because the reality is is you've got the you've got your fans in there you know um and you, your fans and the people that have worked with you and the people that know you and the people that follow your stuff are going to be the people that you know are engaging and you know certainly supporting you and and a lot of people don't focus on it and a lot of people haven't got the patience to focus on it you know and 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 essentially you 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 had that high level job but you chose to focus on saying now i'm gonna ask you a different question which you probably you might have been asked before maybe you haven't been asked before but you've got a six-figure job because this is a lot of what happens to a lot of people right They've got a six-figure job or they're earning good money. They've got to leave their job and they're worried. You know, there's a lot of fear around that. But how rewarding has it been for you to be able to go and build a business that's inspired that many people? How does that feel to you? What's that actually like? Because there's a lot of people that want to do that, exactly that. Before I answer that, I'm going to give a bit of context as well. So when I started on this project, my boss, my bosses, those people, they saw what I was doing and they were like, 
wow, this is a really big thing that you are doing. Go for it. So in reality, in the year running up to me departing the company, so maybe a year after I I was still two years in working the two things at the same time. And, you know, 2017, nobody wants to repeat. I don't want to repeat. The guys I was working with don't want to repeat. My wife doesn't want to repeat. It was just horrendous because it was like so full on doing the two things at once. But they supported me while I spent 60% of my time, even at the desk, working on One Year No Beer because they saw the impact I was having. Now, when you can align people to a social impact, to something that which is having do good in the world, and you can really align them, you can achieve amazing things. Like maybe you haven't thought, you know what, if I actually spoke to my boss about this and got them to understand what I'm trying to do here, they would support me a bit more. Now, okay, it also happens that I was very good at my job and had built a team and all of those kind of things that could take away a bit of the, a bit of the slack. But the decision to move came at a moment when I wasn't expecting it and I had no, there was no decision to make, Okay it was the only decision. So I sent a tweet to some journalists. I actually got very frustrated with PR. And I thought, you know what, I can do this better. I'm going to start tweeting journalists directly. And this would be my side note here is that I would encourage business owners to create a direct relationship with journalists. Wow. Yeah, good good tip. And the best way to do that is find research, which has been find research, which has recently been published, just like I did, and then say, hey, have you seen this? right? And as soon as you do that, and they haven't seen it, it probably adds value. So that's exactly what I did. And I got a response from a BBC journalist. And she said, Hey, I'm doing a piece about AA and women can I have a chat. And I had a chat with her. And she said, you know, what? I'm not going to do it about AA. I'm going to do it about your company because it's so amazing. We ended up with a 10 minute feature, video feature interview on BBC World News in over 200 countries. And I mean, that kind of exposure is just, you know, once again, you're doing something which has social impact that people can really get behind. I'm sorry, I think my connection is really poor. Um, when you're doing something like that, all sorts of people like the BBC might get behind you. So I think that that's what we want to see more of, you know, more businesses which are having real big, strong social impact and do something for good because doors will open for you. Anyway, a friend of mine called me up in Italy and he said, Ruri, I've just seen you on the news. I think what you're doing is amazing. I'm meeting the Dalai Lama next week. Would you like to meet him? Now, you bear in mind that my journey had started with this meditation on the train. So I was aware of meditation. I'm not religious, but I was aware of meditation. And I was like, yes, I'm in, definitely. So I got my ass over to Pisa and all sorts of crazy things. I mean, I ended up getting to ask him a question in front of thousands of people in the center of Pisa. Then later, we were supposed to fly home that afternoon, but we ended up staying at the Dalai Lama's hotel and meeting him in the morning. And my life totally transformed. Okay. And one of the main points was I had realized I'd remembered back to that letter at 14. And I remembered back to this part about knowing that in knowing that I was here for a massive impact. And this recurring nightmare I used to have as a child is something that I felt the moment I stepped off stage, I hadn't felt it for two decades. I stepped off stage and I, boom, it flashed me. And I was like, that's it. I know why I'm here. I absolutely know that this is my purpose in life. So I went in on Monday morning and handed in my notice. And my boss was like, what? But I mean, we'll support you. You can do the two on the same side. You don't need to quit. You're crazy. Don't throw all this money away. I was like, I can't do another day. I know why I'm here. It's a much higher purpose and I've got to go and do it. So there was no decision. And I, I don't know how other people would translate that into their thing, into their things. But I think that, again, 
you know, when you're doing something which has real powerful social good, which is having a big impact in the world, which is what we are planning to do, we're planning to have a very big impact in the world, then I think stuff shifts for you. I think doors open that wouldn't naturally open. I think opportunities arrive that wouldn't naturally arrive. And that's what we've seen time and time again. So we, what we do and what I, I do is I coach people on how to become more successful in their businesses. And a lot of the traits, every time I've interviewed so many people now, you can see some of the people behind me, I'm sure when we got in touch, they, was, they kind of put that forward. And what I'm always looking to do is discover different success habits that people have and, and how anybody, like anybody watching tonight, can really learn and grow and take inspiration from what we've got to say. And the thing is, there's a lot of things that you're doing that we 100% teach, and it's always the same. With any successful person you meet, they say yes. You know, that's one of the things that a lot of people underestimate, the opportunity of saying yes. This is a reality. Somebody else has probably had that opportunity to go and meet the Dalai Lama or something like that, some big opportunity. Do you want to go and do this? And people turn around and they go, well, you know what? I've got the kids next week or, oh, I can't go. Oh, I can't find the time. Oh, I'd love to do that. That would be amazing, but I can't. And they never say yes. And then when doors mm-hmm. weren't open, yeah. and they wonder why they didn't open. You know, yeah. and I think you know, saying, saying yes is just a big part of it, isn't it? Because that's what opens it's- the door. It doesn't it's also, it's that, it's saying yes and, and, and running with it. So uh, I was listening on Clubhouse, I'm sure you're talking about Clubhouse, and they were talking about what it takes to get a mentor, right? Or how you get somebody a, a mentor, or how you get on the radar of a really big person on a podcast. And, you know, I'd identified Joe DeSena as an inspiring person, the founder of Spartan Races. So I was like, okay, I want to be on the Spartan Up podcast. This is what we are. This is what we are aiming for. And so I started doing some ring roads and I started asking around and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And luckily somebody put me in touch with him and I ended up getting on the phone with Joe like this. And so he very, very short and he was like, hello, what is it? Tell me. And I was like, oh, you know, changing relationship with alcohol, et cetera. And he's like, oh, good. Well, he doesn't drink, right? So I knew that he was going to be interested in that message. And he said, hang on a minute see if you can convince my wife to stop drinking and put the phone over. Next minute, I was talking to my wife for literally half an hour about her daily wine habit. And um, I was like, so you're going to do the challenge? And she was like, okay, I'll give it a shot, put it back. And he said, right, you got me at my attention because you got my wife's attention. I said, well, Joe, he said, what do you want? And I said, look, I, all I want to do is a podcast with you. And he was like, okay, sure. And I said, um, he said, okay, sure. I do want to book it in next week. And I lied and said, oh, but we only do them in person right? Because I wanted yeah, to meet him. Right. I knew that that was only going to be the only way. And he said, okay, where are you? And I said, London. He said, okay, well, I'm in the US. And I said, I'll pop on a plane tomorrow, Joe. It's no problem. Like no idea. Like how would I plane? What's my wife going to say? Doesn't matter. Irrelevant. And he said, well, I'm going to be in Iceland in December. And so why don't you meet me there? And I was like, yeah, perfect. I'll see you there. Great. See you later. Bye. Click. <laughs> Spartan, what's in Iceland in December? Google. My God, it's the Spartan Ultra World Championships. Now, I know, right, with Joe, because he's such a hard ass, that if I don't enter, there's no way he's going to be interested in me because he doesn't want to work with any wet blankets. So it was that moment I knew I had to sign up to the Spartan Ultra World Championships just to get on Joe's favor. But all of that, what did that lead to? That leaded to a hundred grand of investment from Spartan into One Year No Beer. It led to a great partnership where we were at every single one of their races. We were at the Spartan Art Podcast. Joe's now a personal friend. I mean, I speak to him most days. We are always chatting, stuff going back and forward. So that was the thing is that 
when you want to try and really get somebody, you have to orchestrate these things. It's not just like just a ping. You have to create all of the things around it, like snare it and then really go for it. Yeah. That's amazing. Amazing story. I think that the principles of success are not that difficult for people to work out. It's just a case, are you going to do them or not? That, that is the reality. Because what you just said to me, business is about relationships. I don't know how many times I can tell people that. You've got to build relationships. You've got to go out of your way to build relationships. And you've got to understand situational awareness. And I think that a lot of people don't understand situational awareness in that, you know, if somebody's up here, you know, you have to go to them. You have to do what it takes, right? You have to go yeah. and make that effort with somebody. And if you do and you break through that, that relationship stays. You know, and you can build some fantastic relationships with people. And I think that's awesome. So, so brilliant stuff. And, and you opened that door there by the sounds of it and went on to get an investment. And in addition to an investment, massive promotion and that, that trip to Iceland, you probably really enjoyed it. I mean, how much more enjoyable is life when you start saying yes? <laughs> and how much more enjoyable is yeah. life when you start building relationships? You know, it sounds like some awesome, awesome, awesome things. And, and funnily enough, Katie has just commented that is, her last coaching session with me, I asked her, I said, who, what 10 people in your industry that are above you do you have a great relationship with? And she said, well, Adam, you know, I've got brilliant relationships with lots of people. I said, no, 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 who are the top 10 people above you in your industry you have a relationship with? And it's not always about, some people think it's always about getting something and it's not. You know, it's not about getting something. You know, we've, we've come on and we start to build a relationship. I don't want anything from you, but I know that one day, you know, we might meet up or something might happen and, you know, you never know. It's about building yeah. relationships with successful people and the more you build that, the more you give, the more you always receive. And I think it's a principle people can start to practice. So that's awesome. So in terms of we went and we did that, which was awesome. Now the business is starting to grow. Why don't you talk about, you're your employees, yes. oil broker. You now got to grow a business. Your business is going worldwide. You got eighty thousand people, eighty thousand members, right? What's it been like managing that? How did you actually start to manage that in a more effective way, Rory? Like, how did you start to build that and manage that in an effective way? And what were the challenges? Talk about, like if you can tell the challenges. I think that helps a lot of people to understand. You know, a million percent. So um, straight after leaving job, it was about hiring people. Um, so we'd been featured on the BBC. Um, that feature on the BBC generated 70 grand in revenue in 10 days. So just from that one piece of news. So there are a lot of new customers coming in. So yeah, we started hiring people. But then we went through all sorts of iterations. And I think multiple lessons here. Number one, hiring good leaders is really, really, really tough. And I think that is, you know, not just hiring good leaders is really tough, but perhaps I heard somebody slightly more cynical than me on, again, Clubhouse, The New Addiction, saying that, you know, the reality is finding the gem in your leadership team is going to be one in three, maybe one in five, maybe one in 10. And so therefore, you need to hire more people because you're going to have this circle. And I, if I, w I wish I'd known that, in the beginning, because it, it was such a painful journey to go and have, you know, and then go backwards and forwards and all this kind of stuff. So, but then when you look at how the business transformed, you know, we, the second thing is after about, I think maybe six months or seven months, I was still living a broker lifestyle. So I still had a, you know, huge five bed house in Buckinghamshire, the cars, blah, 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 blah. And yet here I was earning nothing. So I hadn't paid myself 
from one year no beer and for, for the first four years. I took absolutely nothing at the business. I was still paying into it for the first three years and, and the fourth year took absolutely no salary. So I was, I was a volunteer for this thing, just so passionate about it. And then we were thinking about going crowdfunding to get this to try and really lift off. And somebody said, you know, why don't you see if you've got a six-figure investor in your members? <laughs> and I was like, you know, it's not a bad idea. You know, I wrote to my members weekly anyway and all that kind of stuff. So I wrote an email. I just said, hey, you know, this is where we've come from, but this is where we're going. We really want to change the world. We're not just going to say that. Like, you know, 2.7 billion people drink alcohol, 30, uh, 1 billion people drink hazardously. You know, the damage to society, the cost, 52 billion is the cost estimated into the UK. You know, alcohol is absolutely decimating to societies, families. Like, if we can help people drink less and drink more sensibly, then that will change the world. So, so we really want to have that impact. And I shot this email off and thought maybe I'd come into one or two emails. Oh, sorry. I said, look, if you know somebody who's a six-figure investor, maybe you could introduce us to them. And I think at the time we had about 40,000 members, maybe less, 30,000 members, something like that. Um, and I uh, sent this email off and thought I'd come into one or two emails. I came in the next day to 74 emails and we raised 1.1 million in five weeks just from our members. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and who were the members? Right, um, you know, ex global head of mergers and acquisitions at HSBC, a ten year director at Facebook, the chairman of the biggest angel network in Scotland. Um, I could go on. These are very successful people who've gone on to transform. To me, Ruri, even if I lost the hundred grand I'm going to invest in one year no beer, it wouldn't be equal to the value your life changing program has given me. And it was like, wow, you know, this is amazing. Look at the momentum we've built up here now. If you look at where we've, we've now raised over three and a half million in funding, predominantly all from our members, um, wow. and and that is a that is a raving fan base. That's a powerful community that we have given so much. And you know, I could say I regret giving it away for free. I could say I, I regret. You know, there are other people out there all the way through this journey. Ruri, you're not charging enough. Like the value you give, you need to charge more. This coaching you've got there, you've got senior people signing up for 109 pounds. These guys should be paying two grand, five grand. And everywhere I had to come back, I had to sort of touch into this base right in here, which was like, what am I trying to do? And the bit I couldn't do. Is, is, is have a massive impact in the world, right? And people were like, well, Ruri, you could create a nice lifestyle business for yourself. You know, you could, you could create a 5 million turnover business with a million spitting off in profits and living a really nice lifestyle. And I was like, yeah, that sounds lovely for me and my family. But what about the massive impact in the world? And that's what it brought me back to every single time. So I was like, no, the pricing has to be less than what people pay for alcohol. Like nobody Nobody can look me in the eye and say, I can't afford one year no beer because unless you're brewing moonshine in your garage, you can afford one year no beer. And so those guiding principles were there. Has that caused more struggle? Has that caused more difficulty? Yeah, like it's it's hard to convert on Facebook ads when your your yeah. your your lifetime value of a product, one-off product is is low. It's hard, right? And and so, the, the, you know, of course, we could have moved those prices up, made things more expensive, all of those kind of things. But it was that that was not what the the mission is. That's not what the purpose of what we're trying to do here is. And I think you know, for everyone watching, I think that hopefully you've been inspired so far by what Rui's saying. Make sure you hit that share button 
as you're watching tonight, the more people can hear about this. I think it is a brilliant cause. And also, um, you know, if you've got questions, I see I've got a few questions in the comments, put your question in. You know, uh, Rory's uh, grown a business now to 90 countries, 80,000 members, changed people's lives. How many of you would like to do the same? I want to add, I, I want to get on to the specifically about the alcohol, right? I want to talk about the alcohol because I know categorically that the biggest upgrade in clarity, energy, purpose, connection to your, what you're trying to do, energy, drive, motivation, health, improving your family is to take a break from booze. And I know it from now over 80,000 people in 90 countries. The reality is we're actually over 100,000, but we weren't allowed to count the free people who came in for the crowdfunding thing. So over 100,000 people in 90 countries. And I know from all walks of life, all types of drinkers, right? If you're drinking more than three glasses of wine a week, then you will see a massive transformation in taking a break from booze. And, you know, the other part in here is that I just don't, I, you know, um, some great examples. Um, we had a well-known entrepreneur come onto our podcast, do our challenge in the UK. And he said six months into his challenge of doing a year, he decided to do a year alcohol-free. He said, Ruri, I've just realized that I have been spent the last decade building businesses operating on 80%. As an entrepreneur, would you like 20% more, right? Wait, the, the, one of the world's top productivity gurus came and did our challenge. And he was like, I don't really think this is going to have any impact on me because I just drink two craft beers a day. I never drink more than that. I come home and I have a couple of craft beers a day. He's like, Ruri, I spent literally the last 20 years searching for two to 5% upgrades in productivity and you just gave me 20%. So that's the thing is like, that people don't understand the impact alcohol is having on them, on their business, on what they're trying to do. And that actually, and this is what I talk about so much, a tactical break from alcohol. Consider a tactical break from alcohol. So at least 28 days, but for most people, 90 days could be the best thing you do in 2021. There you go. That's my pitch. Any questions? <laughs> <laughs> ah, no, look, it's all, I think it's awesome. And look, you know, a lot of people would certainly benefit from that. I mean, I, I drink way less. I mean, way, 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 way less than I used to. Um, yeah. You know, way less. Uh, back in the day, you know, when I was running, you see, my previous business, I built to about 40 million a year in revenue. I had 120 staff. I had five, site, five sites. And I would, at the weekend, hit the booze because it was kind of like a pressure release, 100%. Totally. Totally. Uh, a pressure release. And, and I can imagine... As a broker that's on the phone all day doing business, yeah. because I've got a lot of broker friends, you know, that have done all broken and broken the city and all sorts. And and I know that they, you know, they rely on alcohol in a big way, but they don't realise it's, it's making them less productive, you know, a hundred percent. So I think what you're saying is absolutely spot on. I've got loads of questions and things coming in. Um, how many of you would like an extra twenty percent? Uh, who'd like a twenty percent power up right now? If you would put an yeah. oh yeah. Got a few hell yeah's going in, but putting, oh yeah, you're on 20% power up. And look, you know, usually when I bring people on, I won't promote them as hard, but I actually think what you're doing is a great cause. And I think that that is, you know, if any any of you listening tonight want to go and do it, go and check yeah. out what Rory does. I do think it is a great cause. Um, and I think it's an awesome thing. And do you know what I was saying? I haven't said this yet. Your product must be good. What's the importance of having a good product? Talk to me about your product a little bit. How have you made sure that your product has become a yeah. good 
So I think this, again, I think we were very lucky and we stumbled into something in the, in the first stages. So we were looking at, you know, Andy, my co-founder at the time, he had just done masters in positive psychology, NLP. And what we were trying to think of is, you know, we were looking at how to integrate that. And so we kind of mapped out what was our feeling of 90 day program? What happened to us during these 90 days? What were the key things that we wanted to address for us? And then map them with some brilliant science, habit change stuff, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So when we, you know, I think year two or year three of pushing out this product. And by the way, when we sent it out there, we had no idea. But then, you know, the torrent of feedback came in like, oh my God, this changed my life. Oh my, and we were like, wow. I mean, a handwritten letter from a son saying, I got my dad back, right? Well, I'd be lying in bed next to my wife at night, reading out these stories um, and emails, like tears in our eyes, just just completely gobsmacked by um, the impact we were having on people. So we knew we were having a positive impact on people. 2000 and so about three years into it, and we're starting to get more serious. And we had Sterling University work for us, and they quantified our thing in terms of behavior change techniques, so BCTs. And they found 14 different BCTs. And we were thinking, right, we'll go down the clinical study stuff and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that is still absolutely on our plans, has not been done yet. But the second thing that happened is that all of a sudden we got a knock from the NHS and we got the BCTs done and, oh yeah, the NHS and alcohol concern said we want to have a look under the hood to see what you're doing. And we were like, oh shit, you know, are we going to get found out here? Do we really know what we're talking about? And they looked under the hood and they came away and they went, you know, you are miles ahead of us. And, 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 and the part of it is that we, because we came at it at such a fresh angle, so unique, it was like, we didn't carry with us the stigma that is changing people's relationship with alcohol. We didn't carry the whole, you're going to have a problem or you have a problem or all of this stuff. We came at it totally fresh and we were like, this is not about having a problem. So I think, you know, over the time since then, we've had to do a lot to improve our product. In fact, most investment of our product ever in the last nine months, you know, we've built an app, our app launches internally in Feb, beginning of February. The app is where all the scalability comes from. So if you think we're sort of building a headspace for alcohol, that's the front end of it. And then we've been building out all of our customer products, which is basically a live life better platform. So I've changed my relationship with alcohol. Now what? I want to focus more on the meditation, on exercise, nutrition, diet, etc. That's becoming more of a wellness business and building out our coaching programs. So what was always the dream is that somebody who has their life changed by our program then decides, you know what, I want to become an ambassador for one year, no beer. So we give them all the tools and infrastructure to be able to run a localized community anywhere they, they are in the world. Hi, everybody. Adam here. And I hope you loved today's episode. Hope you thought it was fabulous. And if you did, I'd like to ask you a small favor. Could you jump over and go and give the podcast a review? Of course, I'll be super grateful if that is a five-star review. We're putting our all into this podcast for you, delivering you the content, giving you the secrets. And if you've enjoyed it, please go and give us a review and talk about what your favorite episode is, perhaps. Every single month, I select someone from that review list to come to one of my exclusive academy days and have lunch with me on the day, meeting hundreds of my clients. So if you want that to be you, then you're going to be in with a shout if you go and give us a review on iTunes. Please, of course, do remember to subscribe so you can get all the up-to-date episodes. 
peace and love and I'll see you very, very soon. Thank you.